0: Hi, I'm Bill Farmer. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast, where we're going to talk about all sorts of wacky voices. So stay tuned, would you?
1: You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Episode 23, Interview with Bill Farmer. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. For fans of the Rotoscopers, Audible.com is giving you a free audiobook with a trial of their services. All you have to do is head on over to the Rotoscopers website and click on the affiliate link on the side of the page. Or you can go to audibletrial.com backslash the Rotoscopers for your free audiobook. This is a great way for you to support the podcast that you love to listen to, and we love to do.
2: This is the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers. Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. And we have a wonderful treat for you today.
1: We are interviewing the animation voice acting legend, Bill Farmer. He really is a legend. I mean, uh, because he was the voice of Goofy, as well as a whole slew other of uh, voices that you would recognize from uh, a lot of Warner Brothers cartoons. And the list just keeps growing every day.
2: Yeah, you'll learn he's going to talk a lot about how he got into voice acting and how he discovered that he had talent for voice acting. So before we jump into the interview, we just want to remind you where you can find us. We uh, You can find us all over the web at www.therotoscopers.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, essentially anywhere. Just type in The Rotoscopers. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. As well, at the end of this episode, if you want, there's some things that maybe we mention, or you want some of these links, just go to therotoscopers.com backslash 23. And that will take you directly to the show notes for this episode. And right before, you can find me, Morgan Stradling, on Twitter at Morgan Stradling. You can find Chelsea on Twitter at Chelsea Robson. And you can also find her at facebook.com backslash. This is Chelsea Robson. And also our other host, Mason, you can find him on his blog at this animated If
1: you're interested in learning more about maybe if you're wanting to get into voice acting or something, he also has a really cool company where he helps anybody that wants to get in with demos and things like that. You can find that at tune house Inc. That's T O O N house inc.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Goofy Bill. Perfect. And don't forget, you can also
2: find us on Hypable. Hypable offers a huge range of podcasts for all sorts of fandoms and interests. They have a Twilight podcast. They have their flagship podcast, MuggleCast. In addition, they have other things. If you're into Once Upon a Time, they have a podcast called Onceable, and it covers all the new episodes. And talks about the past episode. So that's definitely a podcast that is of interest to Disney fans because this comes directly from ABC, which is owned by Disney, and they really take interesting spins on these new Disney on these Disney characters and uh take them back and forth between the real world and their fantasy world. Uh pretty awesome stuff. So go check out Hypable, check out their podcast and also their news. They're one of the leading entertainment websites out there dedicated just for fandom. So big thanks to Hypable and With that, we are on to the interview. So uh, you kind of asked about us. We are the Animation Addicts podcast. So we cover all things animation, whether it's Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, everything and anything in between. So we started, like I said, back in February and have kind of gained momentum since then. And it's been just it's just Fun for us because we love animation. We love talking about it and and uh, talking to people in the industry and getting sort of an insider's perspective. So that's why we're really excited that you're able to come on the show.
0: Oh, my pleasure. It's good to be here. Thank
2: you. So we actually went to Destination D when, huh? and you were there. You were on the voice panel for um, all the different, you know, Disney people who had done voices over the years. And so, you know, it's been fun to kind of see you in person there and, and catch up with you these past few weeks.
1: Yeah, you've been super busy. I've seen from your Twitter that you've got you've been traveling a lot the last couple months.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of uh, in a stay at home mode right now. <laughs> it's kind of nice to be at home. I was on a Disney cruise ship, and I was, uh, you know, just where was I last? Well, last week I was up in uh, near San Francisco doing a couple of shows, and now uh, you know, just kind of getting ready for Halloween.
1: Very fun. Yeah,
0: it was big party here at the house. And we, uh, we love Halloween, and so I uh, got, uh, you know, like 150 people going to come, and so we got to clean up the backyard and make it scary.
1: <laughs> Very nice.
0: It's like we take out the real cobwebs and put up fake ones.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's kind
2: of more work to clean up and spookify <laughs> than it is to clean up and beautify.
1: <laughs> you were up in, uh, by Monterey, I saw.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, actually doing some kind of for a military base there. Yeah. Uh, of ours have a little acoustic group that they were uh, going to do a uh, a live performance for some of the servicemen and their families, and I got to kind of uh, go along and and have a little bit of fun, little live stuff, which I I enjoy doing as well as uh, the voiceover. Yeah, live performing is still a lot of fun to do.
1: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, so it's an acoustic like uh, cover band or something.
0: Uh, this guy and his wife have a. Um, a band they also do a big band stuff and he uh, but they have a little uh, on it's just her and him and a few guitars and they're both good singers and so I was just doing some breaks for them and doing a little comedy and uh, for the troops and uh, and their families and uh, it was a lot of fun.
1: That's really cool
0: to kind of hang around there and have fun and uh, the cruise was great uh and i got to do a few uh, shows on board talking about how to voice an animated character and we'd bring people out of the audience and have them do goofy voice <laughs> that's and, fun. and see i had i had to do that with you guys
2: uh, <laughs> oh my we can try but we we don't have any promises on how good we can be
0: <laughs> well it's hard, you just kind of, you know, you relax and just kind of let it come out and gorge. (laughs) You know, there you go. There
1: you go. (laughs) Awesome. I think one of my favorite uh, goofy quotes is definitely the yell. You mentioned that at Destination D as well.
0: (laughs) A lot, it seems like. Uh, And uh, I don't even know if I could do it with this uh, microphone. I might turn it down a little bit. It's like, you know, that's probably as loud as I want to do it with this mic. Uh, the thing that, you know, and the original was not done by Pinto Kolvik, the original voice of Goofy. It was from the um, uh, cartoon The Art of Skiing back in 1947, one of those how-tos, the beautiful art of skiing, you know. Yes. And, um, and it was a, uh, um, a yodeler by the name of Hans Schroll, and he was doing some yodeling in that cartoon, and he... It did that goofy yell, that classic goofy yell that everyone loves so much.
1: Oh, that's funny. You know, I just saw Cinderella just came out on DVD, and we got to see a, a special screening of it over here. And I noticed that there's one point when, like, one of the dad, the king, yeah, he, like, goes flying up and he does the goofy yell. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's goofy again.
0: They I mean, they used it in some live-action movies, too. They use that really? a lot. Uh, outside of, of Goofy, they would, I'm trying to remember, but uh, what movies. There's actually, I think, a website that devotes itself to nothing but the Goofy yell and where it appeared in movies.
2: Yeah, there's like a YouTube video. You can go, and it's just clip after clip after clip where
1: it's been used. Wow.
0: I don't know what to call it. I just call it the Goofy yell.
1: <laughs>
2: well, that's a better, better term
1: yeah. for us. So what are some other voices that you get a lot? You said that that one's one that people always want to hear. What are some other things?
0: That's been the longest-running voice. I've been doing Goofy since January of 87, so 25 years, and that got my career going in Hollywood. But over the years, um, I've done a lot of other ones for Disney and a lot of the other studios as well, um, most notably whenever you hear Pluto barking. That's me. Uh, I've done Pluto for about as long as I have done Goofy. Also in the uh, uh, featurette Prince and the Popper," I voiced uh, uh, Horace Horse Collar. And I'm his original voice. He never spoke until that little movie came out. And that kind of came out on just the spur of the moment. They needed, uh, in the movie, Horace is Mickey's tutor, his teacher, and they wanted him to be kind of a little snobby. So I was kind of thinking a Jim Backus kind of. <laughs> they wanted him a little more droll than that. So I was thinking kind of Ben Stein, who was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And so we kind of put the voices together, and it came out like this. And so that was the original Horace Horsecollar voice.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: That's a great tri- a trivia question, too. Who was Horace Horsecollar's original voice? And... Me. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> Ta-da! You win that game every time, don't you? <laughs> uh,
0: for Warner Brothers over the years, uh, I have done a different projects. Um, I don't like the movie Space Jam. I did Foghorn, Yosemite Sam, Sylvester the Cat, uh, Space—I uh, Robot Chicken. I've done Bugs and Daffy and uh, uh, a lot of games over the years. I've done, you know, tons of things. There was a great game. Uh, one of the early things I did was for LucasArts, it was a game called Sam and Max Hit the Road. And, uh, Sam and Max are great characters that, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm Sam's original voice And uh, what, I think it was one of the top 50 games of all time. It was voted. So it was a great game and, uh, just one of the great voices to do. I've done, you know, oh, tons of voices, little incidental characters and, and, uh, and whatever through the years, but, uh, yeah, probably hundreds of voices in different commercials and little incidental things. And in in movies, a lot of the uh, Pixar movies, I did background voices in like Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Bugs Life, Monsters, Inc., Beauty and the Beast, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And most recently, probably the, the, the Lorax, which is uh, yeah, it's pretty recent. Um, and I always pop up here and there doing something.
2: <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So, um, you know, the classic job interview question that they ask at the very beginning thing, but just in general, they say, tell us about yourself. So if you were to get that, what would you say to people?
0: Well, I'm, I'm a lot like goofy. I, <laughs> I guess I, I've been a, a victim of the goofy curse. <laughs> I, uh, about myself, well, I'm kind of a science nerd actually, and a movie nerd. Uh, I love movies and I love science. So my, uh, my uh, degree was actually in broadcast journalism, and I started off in radio as a DJ in a lot of little stations, and I was also chief engineer because I could fix a transmitter and all of that kind of stuff. And my love actually started with the science fiction, and so um I, I used to love all of those old Ray Harryhausen movies where they'd have, you know, like The Beast from 50,000 Fathoms and, you know, Sinbad and The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and... And those kind of things. And that's what really got me to want to be in the movies were those old science fiction movies. And of course, as a kid, I was uh, uh, nuts for cartoons and mostly the Warner Brothers characters because I saw them much more than the Disney characters. And so I would certainly practice my um, my Bugs Bunny and, oh, brother, ain't I a stinker? The, the Jay Wood stuff. So I could do a boo winkle. To, uh, <laughs> and, and so I would practice all of those voices. And uh, came to Hollywood and got to do some uh uh classes with the great Dawes Butler who did uh, all the great voices for Hanna-Barbera, Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, Snagglepuss, all of those things. And he kind of got me going in the business by teaching me how to be a good actor, which is a very important part of the voiceover business. And that's kind of, a, I guess, a capsulated version of how I came to be here. I
2: love it. Yeah, Perfect. very good. So now that you're in, you know, the voice acting business and you said you've been 25 years, 26,
0: 25, doing goofy since January of 87.
2: Perfect. And, you know, various things in between big and small. What is your typical day in the life of? I mean, it probably varies, but if you could say what from waking up to going to bed, what's your work life like?
0: Well, uh, that's one of the interesting things about being a voiceover artist. I no day is alike. Um, I do auditions all the time for my home studio, or I'll go down to my agency. They send me the copy over the, uh, you know, in my email. I record it here in my studio and send it in, or I'll go down there and read. You know, if it's a group read with other actors, I'll go in, mostly for commercials, but quite a bit for animated projects as well. Um, besides auditioning, I, you know, um, I have a, a business with my wife where we do, uh, people's demos. Um, and my son, who, who's an engineer as well, an audio engineer helps me with all of that. So we've been doing a lot of, uh, work with, uh, newcom- newcomers to the business and, and help them, uh, I do private lessons, acting lessons and help them with putting together demos. And uh, so that's been keeping me pretty busy, um, you know, and and traveling. I just got off, like I say, the Disney cruise ships, and and I was given that class on how to voice an animated character. and <laughs> Another one I'm going on in January, and just having a good time, all things voiceover, really.
1: Sounds amazing. Yeah. So when you first came out to Hollywood, what what was your wife thinking?
0: Well, she. Had You know, she had a lot of faith in me, but there's no guarantee. And I I came from, uh, I lived in Dallas at the time. And she stayed in Dallas while I got an apartment out here. And at the time, I was doing stand-up comedy and traveling the country with all the comedy clubs and based myself out of Hollywood. And as luck would have it, about four months after I got here, uh, my agent said, do you do any of the Disney characters? They were kind of started up the Disney character Uh, voice, uh, DCV, Disney Character Voices, division of Disney, which oversaw all of the voices, and they wanted to ensure consistency, so you always heard the same voice, so that Mickey wouldn't sound different when he was in a talking toy or a cartoon or down at the park. So they wanted to settle on one actor for each of the main Disney characters. And out of about a thousand people that tried out for Goofy, they liked mine, And I just got lucky being at the right place at the right time. And Gorge Goofy was uh, probably my best voice. (laughs) But I'd never really done that in my stand-up comedy. So it was just kind of a match made in cartoon heaven, I guess.
1: (laughs) Very serendipitous.
2: So um, I know voice actors don't typically record together, whether for feature films, you know, you record your part and then someone else will record their part separate and they'll kind of put them together post-production. I mean, the experiences that you do have with groups, maybe for table reads or group sessions, um, like do you notice a difference when you're playing off another actor?
0: Absolutely. It's much easier and better to have all the actor, for the actor it's better to have everybody with you because you know how they say a line, you can react to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas if you're doing it solo, you need to really know what those other characters sound like. Now, I know the way that Mickey would say a line or Donald would say a line, so I can pretty well predict how Goofy should respond to that. I basically only need to know, well, how far away is Mickey from me? Is he calling out like, hey, Mickey, or hey, or however you want to deliver the line. You just need to know where that character is physically. Um, we just started a new series for Disney called 7-D, in which I play Doc of the Seven Dwarves. And it's done by the same people that do the Disney show Fish Hooks. So mm-hmm. it has kind of a new look. And it's not the traditional dwarves, uh, of which I'm sleepy of the Seven Dwarves, the traditional dwarves. But this one I'm Doc. And it has all sorts of great voice actors: Billy Billy West, Maurice Lamarge, Kevin Michael Richardson, Steve Stanton, a bunch of other a- actors. And it uh, we did our very first recording of that just a couple of uh, about a week and a half ago, and it was an ensemble effort, and it was just great to work with everybody um d baker came in and did some voices for us and he's it's always great to see everybody just if nothing else they're your friends and you want to kind of hang out with them (laughs) fun when other people are in the room so i like it a lot more when there is an ensemble but unfortunately i don't get to do it that often
1: yeah what have been some of your favorite recording sessions over the years
0: Gosh, Uh, quite often for for Disney, at least, uh, we would we would used to do a radio show around Christmas every year where it was called, uh, you know, Merry Christmas from Walt Disney World. And we would record that ensemble and we would always have a celebrity guest host. And over the years, we had a lot of great guests and it was always fun to work with them. We had people like um, Dick Van Dyke. We had Jason Alexander. We had Whoopi Goldberg. We had. We had. Um, let's see, Jim Belushi, we had Regis Philbin one. Uh, Ed McMahon, we had, uh, Leslie Nielsen doing one. Uh, and it was really great working with them because they're not used to working in cartoons generally. And they're actually a little bit intimidated because we're such a cohesive unit, Mickey and Minnie. And I think it surprises them, you know, how, I guess, professional we were, or I think, uh, especially Regis Philbin was very surprised at how, you know, funny we were, quick on the take, because he'd never really done anything like that before. And it's a totally different record environment when you're just recording to a microphone than if you're on set with cameras and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a little intimidating for him at first, but then he got into it and just had a great time and was really good at it, too.
2: Awesome. When did they
0: stop doing this? Um gosh, we did the last one uh, several years ago. I, uh, it was done by ABC for the ABC Radio Networks mm. about 4 or 5 years ago. The last one we did was Dick Van Dyke. Who was great, you know, cuz he's like in his 80s. Oh yeah. <laughs> recording session and he stood the whole time. We were all sitting cuz we were getting tired. <laughs> It just was delightful and was telling us all sorts of behind the scenes stories of Mary Poppins and the Dick Van Dyke show and all of this stuff it was just a blast to be around. And those kind of situations when you get to do work with maybe an actor you respect or or, you know, um, grew up with is always a, a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned that Disney sort of wanted one voice for every, for each one of the characters. That's kind of different from some TV shows where you'll have one actor do all seven voices, you know, like on The Simpsons, a lot of the main, you know, five actors do all the voices. Why do you think Disney wanted that?
0: Well, at least for the main characters, just so that they were they wanted to find the actor that did the best job of and those are such iconic characters that they wanted as close as possible to the original and so Wayne Allwine who did Mickey until he passed away a few years ago did uh, just such a great job of Mickey that if he had done some of the other characters as well uh, unless he was the best of it you know it, it just wouldn't it's it just trying to find the quality and of course Corey Burton does a lot of stuff Captain Hook and uh He's done Mister Smee and and uh, Ludwig von Drake, and so he's very a uh, uh, wonderful voice talent who's been able to do multiple voices. And of course, I do Goofy and Pluto, and of course they don't aren't very don't sound much alike. So it's just barking for Pluto <laughs> characters. I just kind of won the audition, but the reason is just for quality.
2: Gotcha. So how grueling is it on your voice when you have longer recording sessions? Can you do some of the voices? Only for short periods of time, or can you just go forever?
0: They aren't necessarily classic characters, but uh, oh gosh, I had to do a, a some kind of industrial film years ago was Wolfman Jack. And if you remember him, he was a DJ, and he had a he had a voice that was way down there. <laughs> now, if you talk like this for about four hours, you're going to really feel bad. <laughs> and uh, so, those are kind of rough ones, or very. Guttural voices. If you're doing a video game where you're playing some evil entity, maybe like you know Satan's dog, <laughs> that'll tear up your throat after a while. Uh, so it totally depends on what voice you're doing as to how you can can cope with it. Pluto is tougher than Goofy, for example, and I always because the you know you have to just mm-hmm. the barking and stuff like that. I would say that for last when we're doing Goofy and Pluto together, just in case I, you know, blow out a cord, I have time to recover. <laughs> Sometimes you come home and, he, you sound like the Godfather or something.
1: <laughs> well, you mentioned a little bit ago of how many um, video games that you guys do. What is? What do you think that the average between video games, like how many video games per cartoon do you
0: do nowadays? I do mostly uh, cartoons. Um, I'd like to do more video games. I haven't done a whole lot of them lately. Uh, they're a lot, of, a lot of fun, and they're uh, doing video games is totally different because sometimes the uh, the scripts can be extremely long because the character can go off in so many different directions and you have to cover that vocally. I remember I did one where I was doing a. Uh, Yakuza or something like that. And I was a detective and the detective, he had like hundreds and hundreds of lines through all sorts of different sequences throughout the video game. Um, For Disney, Kingdom Hearts, we've done five of those games. And quite often they're like several days worth of recording because there are so many lines that the character has to say. Um, And that. And and video games can also be some of the toughest because a lot of them are military games. And I remember one direction I got, it was some game, can't remember the name of it, but it was um, like Army Guys versus the Zombies. And they always have to have a library of screams and death things. So when you get shot and, okay, we need you to die quickly. And you go, ah, you don't fall down or (laughs) get a longer one. And I remember one uh, direction was, okay, now the zombie has ripped your arm off, and he's beating you with it.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> you know, and really letting it rip. And those are real tough on the voice. Um, I did a movie once uh, with a friend of mine, Richard Horowitz, who did like Invader Zim and a lot of other voices, good friend of mine. We both did a, the same dog in the movie The Mask 2. And there was a dog that had turned into this kind of monster dog. And there was one sequence where he gets like caught on a rope or something. And he's like pulled through the chandelier, up the banister on the stairs, breaking all of the legs of the banister as he goes. And we had to voice this. And we're like doing all of these dog voices, just rip sound. We had to do it for like two or three hours. And at the end, it was like, I can hardly talk. Thanks. <laughs> I was going, okay. Throw. <laughs> it was really rough on the throat. So I don't like doing those. <laughs> I don't have to. The, the throat ripping ones. They're not as much fun to recover from.
1: <laughs> How long does it normally take to you to recover? I have a really bad one.
0: If you don't. But I've known, I've known actors that have gotten almost like nodes on their vocal cords. And the doctor tells them, like, stay quiet for like three weeks and uh, that career. One of my friends had to go up and do a thing in Las Vegas, a live show. And I think he actually got bleeding uh vocal cords from that. So you can abuse your voice and you have to learn to be able to scream and do those kind of things. Not a hundred percent. You kind of, you, you hold back a little bit. It sounds like you're going all the way, but you just have to hold back enough that you just don't kill your throat because it's hard to recover from that stuff. And, hey, Julie Andrews had, you know, surgery on her throat because she got singer's nodes and like calluses on her voice. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a thing you got to watch out for.
2: So you were the replacement of Goofy. But like, I I know a lot of times I'm watching a show and a an actor will get replaced after a few seasons. So like, what are your thoughts on replacing voice actors and why they do it, if it's good or bad? I mean, I think you're very, very, very good. But sometimes it, as a, a viewer, it's very noticeable.
0: And, and viewers know. I think a lot of the people around the studio think, oh, no one will know. We'll get a voice replacement. You can always tell. Mm-hmm. because. Personality comes through the character. I remember when I was a kid and they had the Flintstones and the original voice, Alan Reed of Fred Flintstone, uh, passed away. And so they got another guy. And that bothered me because I'm saying, that's, that's not Fred. That's not- <laughs> oh. true. And like an invasion of the body snatchers, like, <laughs> my dad, it's some alien, you know. <laughs> like, you know, it's different and you don't know why. So I don't like that. Um Warner Brothers, uh, has, they haven't seemed to really set on a group of actors to portray all of their characters as much as Disney has. And that bothers me when I hear something, and if it's a uh, Bugs that wasn't the Bugs in the other movie, it's a little different. You know, like I did the movie Space Jam, and Billy West did Bugs in that. And I did Foghorn and Sylvester and some other things. And I haven't done it in some other projects that were out. And they're a little bit different. I wish they'd just stick to one actor uh, and just, you know, keep with that. I think it would be better to have that consistency.
2: Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, So you say that you coach and you you give lessons for those who want it and obviously can probably pay for it <laughs> um like what advice do you have to those who are interested in voice acting or pursuing a career?
0: Well, the best thing to do is to study acting I've had students who say, well I don't want to be an actor I want to be a voiceover guy and no that's not the way to look at it it's <laughs> acting job and without good acting chops you can do great voices but the characters you do will be hollow. They'll be a little bit lifeless. They sound kind of fake. They don't sound right for some reason. It's just like when you see a bad movie and they the actors can't really act. You know, they're seeing a monster. And, oh, goodness, it is the monster. This <laughs> doesn't work. Same thing with voiceover. You are acting without the use of a lot of your instrument, you can't use your eyes, you can't use looks, you can't use body language, it all has to come through the voice. That makes it even more important to be a good actor. There's a lot of on-camera actors that have done voiceover that listening to their performances, it's kind of dull. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm trying to think. oh, you know, so and a lot of times they'll use celebrities, and and a lot of times that's great. I think like Tom Hanks did a great job as as Woody in Toy Story. His voice lent. Tim Allen did a great job as Buzz. They brought a lot to those characters. Other characters that you would see, I'm trying to think. Uh, I like a DreamWorks movie that they had, like uh, El Dorado. They yeah. Had Kevin Kline and Kenneth Branagh do the voices. Vocally, their voices were very similar. I had trouble telling which one was really talking at which time. Even though they're great actors and did a great job, mm-hmm. it didn't seem to fit the character. Whereas, say, Tom Hanks's voice really fit Woody. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it could have been, a, and not that it's just a voiceover actor as opposed to an on-camera actor, but... You don't just pick a, a star because they're a star and, oh, anyone will listen to, um, you know, Brad Pitt doing, you know, you want to look at him, he's good looking. <laughs> <laughs> don't Look at her. You don't necessarily need to hear her. And there's a lot of great voiceover actors out there that would do just as fine a job, too. So you got to find the right voice for the right character and kind of forget the fact whether they're famous or not. Who does the best job? Yeah,
2: that's that's one thing that I've always been concerned with is this trend of celebrities taking over voice acting roles. Um, So you kind of talked about how it's more the talent rather than, you know, the name. Because I feel there, there's this definite trend of we only care about the name and we're going to plug them. And it kind of leaves the professional voice actors kind of out of work a little bit. And,
0: and they had like, uh, oh, the movie a few years ago, they had the Yogi Bear live action mm-hmm. movie. Dan Aykroyd is Yogi Bear. And he did a good job, but I couldn't get the fact. I was thinking, oh, that's Dan Aykroyd.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: if they just found the best voice match for Yogi Bear I think it would have been better because Yogi Bear is a known character mm-hmm. Dan Um it, That didn't work for me for some reason. I don't know it just didn't work. I think they would have been better in that movie to have you know just professional voice actors that can do the job really well rather than get it and I know why they do it. They do it because oh Dan Aykroyd, we love him. We <laughs> movie well yeah but you're it's a yogi bear movie so they should care more about getting the perfect person for that uh that voice uh, rather than just getting someone because they're famous
2: yeah so um what voice actors do you admire or look up to and who've been your favorites over the years
0: oh gosh uh Friends, uh, that I've worked with, uh, you know, well, like half of them are on my show 7D. Of course, Billy West, who I think is phenomenal, Maurice LaMarche, uh, D. Bradley Baker, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, Kevin Michael Richardson's on our show as well. He's amazing. You know, there's so many people that are just amazing. There's, uh, newer guys that I know, uh, Nolan North, who does a lot of uh, game shows, uh, I mean, uh, video games. Um gosh, there's so many I'm probably going to leave a lot out of them and they'll say, "Why didn't you mention?" <laughs> Off the top of my pointy little head, those come to mind cuz I worked with them most recently, but there's so many um that are just just amazing and they're intimidating to work with cuz they're so good, you know. <laughs> Frank Welker, of course, is one of my favorites that I got to work with uh, back when I was doing Goof Troop. And Jim Cummings and April Winchell and, and Rob Paulson, of course, is one of my favorites. And, uh, did a podcast with him recently. And, you know, he's a great friend and a very talented, fun guy to be around.
1: So do you ever get starstruck? Like, if you ever get to work with any of these guys?
0: <laughs> see, they kind of came up along with me. So I don't get too starstruck from them. I'm in awe of their talent, but starstruck. No, it's for me, it's when I meet like old Hollywood. Um my wife and I did a documentary once and, and Kirk Douglas called us up and wanted to be in our movie because his uh, wife, Ann Douglas, uh, it was a uh, thing for the Ann Douglas Center. We were doing a documentary on that. And we sent the tape over to Ann Douglas and Kirk Douglas called us up and wanted to be in our movie. <laughs> and I'm like, you're kidding.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Went down to his office in uh, Beverly Hills and recorded him. And that was like, yeah, that's like Hollywood royalty. That's, you know, the thirties, forties, you know, fifties, all of those that era. Those actors are who I looked up to and and grew up with. And uh so yeah, you know, you meet Jack Nicholson and these kind of guys, that's that's who I consider Hollywood royalty. There's Goofy's dog right there in the other room.
1: <laughs> What's Goofy's dog's name?
0: That is Boo. <laughs>
1: He's ready for halloween
0: <laughs> pitbull mix and, and we call boo cuz she's scared of everything <laughs> That's
2: awesome. That's great so how do you keep yourself fresh i mean do you yourself have a coach do you take
0: classes you know the best training that i ever had was doing stand up and something in front of a live audience because there's you know nothing like and that was how I learned was, uh, when stand-up comedy, which I did for five years before I came out to Hollywood, there's nothing like stand-up to teach you what works and what doesn't. Cause they, you find out real quick if you suck and they, you, <laughs> You do okay. It's totally truthful and honest. You're, there's no pity laughter. Um, and I still do uh, stage work. I'm in uh, Fred Willard's stand-up comedy group, The Mohos. We write sketches and perform them at the Second City Theater every month. And it helps keep the writing chops up. We write sketches and we put them up. And I, I think there's nothing like a live audience to uh, kind of keep you uh, in shape, and that's the best training. And occasionally I'll take a class, yeah, just to find out what people are doing these days. And yeah, it's a never-ending uh, – you, you never quit learning, basically, in voice. You're, you can always get better, and it's like running or something. If you lay off for a few weeks, you'll get really rusty really quick. <laughs> yeah.
1: You said that you still audition for roles. Like how many how many auditions do you go on like in a given week?
0: Gosh, um I probably audition for at least two or three a day. Um, wow. so yeah, I uh, did a couple auditions this morning here at the computer and most of them for, for commercials, but if you think it's a numbers game because in Hollywood there's what a couple of 100,000 Screen Actors Guild members mm-hmm. one and on any given week, there's just a, maybe a couple, about three or 4,000 jobs. So there's a lot of out-of-work actors out here.
1: <laughs> the game never ends.
2: <laughs> do you ever feel that you get typecasted for roles?
0: Well, you know, there's a little bit of that with Goofy because there's a lot of people that don't know I do other things besides Goofy. He's such an iconic character, that, and he's so famous that some people think, oh, I didn't know you did Bugs Bunny. I didn't know you did that. <laughs> And I, you know, all of these other things. So it's kind of, I have to keep people, you know, in the know that, oh, you do other things, you know? So that's why I keep it auditioning.
2: Yeah. You're not a one trick pony at all.
0: I try not to be.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so when you're, let's say you have a new character, um, you know, you're not taking over a character, but you're coming up with a new voice. Um, how? What's your process of developing a new voice? Do you have to see the the character's pictures and, and design first, or you kind of just go off it by a name?
0: Um, it depends. A lot of times, we get a picture of what the character looks like, and that's very helpful. Because, you know, if he's big and kind of blobbery looking or something like that, you might kind of drop the voice down a little bit and make it a little sloppy or something. Uh, If he's like elf-like, like like a little elf, you you might bring him way up there and put him in a kind of an elf kind of voice. and, And you just kind of try them out and you just kind of get a feel for, yeah, I can see that character doing that voice. And of course, there's a physical description um, of the character, and he might, they might actually say, you know, we, we want him to sound like he's from a big, you know, even though he's little, he might have a baby Herman kind of voice, so he could be like a <laughs> kind of new, and uh, you know, he could be even, and you just play around with different voices until you find one you think fits, and hope that that's what the uh, the uh, casting people are looking for
2: very cool thank you um, okay so we're kinda, we're going to move on to kind of your your career with goofy being goofy and with disney so when you took over for pinto colvig um, i mean did you how did it feel you know did that feel like they were big shoes to fill
0: Well, yeah, but I didn't at the time. I didn't know. They don't just come say, okay, you're the new voice of Goofy from now on. Um, Every time we go in, even still, I'm an independent contractor, so I have a new contract for each job that I do for Disney, and I'm not an employee. I'm a freelance. I'm like your plumber. I come in, and I do a job, and I go home. (laughs) So I didn't know if I was going to do this one time, two times, a dozen times, a thousand times. I didn't know how big the job was when I started. I was just happy to get, hey, this one time I get to do uh, uh, do Goofy. They, I hope they bring me back. And then they started bringing me back more and more. And now I've done about 3,000 different jobs for Disney over the years.
1: Wow.
2: Is there any restrictions on uh, portraying Goofy or using his voice?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Disney owns the – and so I treat the character with the respect that the characters do. And I certainly couldn't do, you know, goofy for Warner Brothers or any other or studio. Uh, it's a Disney character. But Disney's been very good and, you know... Uh, in interviews and whatever, um, I try and use that voice judiciously. But, you know, um, I'm proud of Goofy, and he's been a great great character to do all these years. And Disney's been very, very kind and, and very understanding about, you know, when I use it and where I use it. And they've been really great about it.
1: Awesome. That was really cool. So what was your very first recording session like?
0: It was... <laughs> My first one, I was so green. I did a, a job for uh, a, a, a TV show called, uh, uh, let me see, um, Disney's Doggone Gone Valentine. And, uh, it was called the DTV, which is like MTV, DTV. They had a lot of uh, Disney t- or hits, and they would have Disney cartoons behind it. It was an old cartoon from the 50s, and I had to re-loop the dialogue, so I had to do it in the exact amount of time that the clip was, and I said something like, you know, Gorsh, he was driving, and he looked back over his shoulder to the camera and said, Gorsh, I'm putting my foot on the accelerator, and I'm out of here quick. (laughs) I'd never done ADR or looping two-picture before. I'd got to the studio and I met Tony Anselmo, who is the voice of Donald Duck, and he is an animator. And he was sitting there just kind of drawing Donald on a piece of paper. And I thought to myself, well, we don't have to draw these guys. (laughs) Oh, it's for the, oh, he's just an an animator. That's why he's so good at drawing. I said, boy, they made a mistake if they wanted someone to draw Goofy. That's
1: fantastic. Uh,
0: and yeah, and then the next time, the second time I got to work with my first celebrity out here, we did a, a DTV's monster hit. So it was a Halloween show, and the o- opening they had Gary Owens if you remember him from Laugh In and yeah, that great wonderful voice, you know. And he um he we got to do the opening on an it was an NBC show, and they had the old Peacock that opened up, and they used the old Peacock, and he's I got to share the microphone with him. And that was a big thrill. And he said something like, the following program is brought to you in living color. And I said, and stereo on NBC. <laughs> and uh, that was a big thrill because I got to work with Gary Owens and I'd watched him on Laugh In and all of those shows. And he was such a nice guy and and and, and you know, very encouraging and stuff to a newcomer. And it was a big thrill for me. So those those first two were, were very memorable for me.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. So when we were at Destination D, you mentioned that one of your favorite projects was a goofy movie. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your experience working on that? That's one of my favorite movies.
0: It, um, it started off as a, it was going to be called a Goof Troop movie. And. <laughs> I just done Goof Troop. They had done a DuckTales movie based on the TV show, and they were going to do that with the, a Goof Troop. Well, we got the re- uh, script and um, read it through, uh, kind of in a, a temporary thing so that they could listen to it and see how table read kind of situation. And it didn't play that well, you know, uh, so they wanted to change it around. So then they decided to make it a buddy picture between uh, Goofy and his son Max. And where Dana Hill had voiced Goofy son Max in, as a youngster, kind of an 8, 10-year-old. Uh, then they got Jason Marsden as an older Max to voice it in a Goofy movie. And yeah, we recorded on that thing off and on for over about a two-year period. Whereas, you know, an episode of Goof Troop, we would do the whole 40-some-page script in about a two, three hours. <laughs> yeah. well. We recorded. Off and on over 40 some different days over a two year period to get it right you know, on a goofy movie. And it finally came out in 1995 and I was very proud of it. I was, you know, it is one of my, it's probably my favorite single project I've ever done. Um, because I got to go see it in a theater with a real audience, and you get to hear their laughter and what they liked, and it was really fun to see those characters on the big screen. And it was very memorable and a very special um, uh, project for me. And also, my son was about five years old when it came out, and it was kind of a bonding thing between me and him, and he was getting confused. Am I Max? I don't know. <laughs> son and you're my dad and you're goofy and i is max my brother he he didn't quite
2: (laughs) so you mentioned that you've worked with jim cummings and he had a has a pretty big role as pete so what was it like working with him or your experiences working with him because he does a lot for disney
0: Oh yeah. Um my first series, Goof Troop. Of course, uh Jim uh Jim was doing Pete in that, so I got to know Jim. He's a great actor, a tremendous talent. And that was actually a very intimidating show to do because of the cast we had. We had some of the best people in the whole business. We had uh of course Frank Welker was in that, uh Nancy Cartwright, April Winchell, Rob Paulson, uh Jim Cummings. Jenny McSwain directed it, and here I was, my first series, and I was the title character. It was quite, you know, it- it was quite impressive and intimidating at the same time doing that show. But Jim's great. He's just a, a you know, a wonderful actor and uh, just brings, and we did so many things with him and Pete through the years and still doing it on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Um, it's just a delight to work with Jim. He's, he's great.
1: One of the things that I've noticed is one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the high dad soup scene. Uh-huh. And one of I always thought like as an actor, what what were some of the things that you were thinking of try to be able to get the right uh read on that on that scene?
0: Well, it's kind of interesting as I say it was kind of a buddy picture for me and my son. So I was thinking about and putting my son in Max's place so I could get the right emotion because we did not record ensemble on a lot of that movie, and I don't remember if we did, we probably did record that ensemble with Jason, which is easier when you have the other actor there, whether they use that take or one that I did when I was alone, I don't know. Um, But the, you know, the emotional content of that scene, I was thinking of my own son and trying to put him in that situation that instead of, uh, you know... You know, uh, Max, it was my son, Austin. And, you know, um, and that, that's probably how I did it. You know, just kind of getting up that uh, emotional thing. You got to connect it to something emotional in your own life. And so it's much easier to kind of put your own son in that that uh, role and relate to him mentally. And the emotion comes out much easier that way.
2: Very cool. So you went on and you did a sequel for that movie. And then uh, obviously you've done th- some things with Goofy Since uh, different series, what would you like Disney to do with Goofy in the future? Would you want to do another Goofy movie or something completely different? Like, where would you like to see Goofy go?
0: I would love to see a full-length feature film done up, you know, the great writers and the whole thing, to do a Mickey Mouse movie with the whole gang, Uh, Mickey, you know, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Pluto, all the characters in a really nice big feature film is what I'd love to see. And I would love to see them uh, work on that.
2: Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah.
0: Maybe they're listening to this and maybe uh, maybe they'll come up and say, that's a great idea.
2: Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I read this book called Disney War, uh-huh. which kind of talks about the different internal struggles between Disney during Eisner's reign. And, I read that there's a tradition that each new executive that uh, comes into the studio has to dress up like one of the characters and uh, the author of the book had to do that. And he got the chance to dress up like goofy so they could feel what it's like. Did you ever have to do anything like that? Probably not because you're an independent contractor, but have you ever had any experience like being dressed up as goofy and be able to speak in that way?
0: Once I was down at the park once and I was uh, backstage and I just asked, could I put the head on? I wanted to see what it was like to wear those heads and what those kids have to go go through. And it's got to be rough because those seat, suits, even though they're made of a very lightweight fabric and stuff, uh, boy, when you're out there and it's like 104 degrees and you've got to run around and be happy and jump all over the place in a parade or, or greeting every... <laughs> so I put the head on and you look through Goofy's mouth and to look straight ahead with the Goofy head on, you have to look down at people's feet. Otherwise, it looks like Goofy is looking up at the sky if you look straight ahead because you're looking through the mouth. So that's odd. So most of the actors have to kind of run around uh, with their head tilted down looking at people's feet <laughs> and then greeting everybody to keep, and I don't know how they keep it straight, but it's also very tunnel vision kind of thing. You don't have a big, wide... Uh, angle of view it's kind of uh claustrophobic a little bit but uh, i've never gone out in public as the uh, as the character but uh, that would that would be that would be a trip i don't think i'm tall enough because you usually get guys that are like six four or something like oh, that oh
2: gotcha so we have a listener question from gary wright he wanted to know what is your favorite goofy cartoon
0: my favorite goofy cartoon well i have a big love of halloween when in, in anything to do with Halloween is always one of my favorites or when they're scared that uh, we did one called back in the, the Goof Troop days. We did one episode called Frank and Goof, and that was a fun one to do Um on one of our albums. I got to sing some Halloween songs and I got to sing uh, the Monster Mash as Goofy and also uh, uh, Wayne All Wine as Mickey uh, doing called which, which is which and several other songs like that. And I always love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. And so anything pertaining to that, and I'm a big horror, f- you know, movie fan anyway. So um, yeah, putting goofy and, and Mickey in a Halloween setting is probably my favorite things to hear, see the characters as
1: very awesome. <laughs> you received the honor of becoming a Disney legend in 2009. What has that meant to you?
0: Oh, it's a great thrill. Um, There haven't been that many people since the 80s when I think the first one was Fred McMurray. There's been less than 200. So it's a much rarer uh, honor than even an Oscar or an Emmy, uh, even though I'd love both. And I've been nominated for an Emmy and awesome. Emmy Award. And I won a, a thing called the International Family Film Festival, the Frizz Freeling Award, um which uh, up to my time had only been um, won by people like you know Don Hahn, Andreas Deja, Roy Disney, and I'm the first voiceover actor to win that award. I was wow. very that, but the Disney Legend Award you know tops them all because it's such a, a rare treat, and our hands are in bronze on the Disney Legend Plaza over the studio. That's really cool. It's, you know, maybe I've made a mark. Maybe I got my little, little slice of immortality that, you know, long after I'm gone, movies will be around and hopefully people will be enjoying them for uh, years to come.
2: So when you're not working, um, what, what would you, what do we find you doing? What are your hobbies? Or here's another yeah. question. If you could do anything other than a voice actor, what would you be?
0: You know well i mean everyone would love to be i think uh, you know a rock singer in a rock band that would be that'd be a great deal of fun my son's a drummer and he's been in a rock band, so I kind of live that vicariously through him when he's on stage. And I have no rhythm at all, and he's got it all and can do the drums just great. And he's played all the places on the Sunset Strip, like the House of Blues and stuff like that. That's a big thrill uh to watch him do that. But yeah, it'd be great to be in a band, I think. It'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. What I'm normally doing around the house, when I'm not doing this is like sleeping or watching TV.
2: <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: Regular stuff you got to do. Go out and paint the house, would you? It's my wife there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cameo. <laughs> um, I was looking up online, and it said that you and your wife produce children's movies. Is that true?
0: Documentaries, not uh, not really children's movies. We have. We did our first movie. We did. Uh, my wife has been a script supervisor and a director. Uh, and producer of different uh, documentaries and films over the years. Uh We produced, actually, and it was Halloween-based. Our first one was one called Pumpkin Man. And we shot it here at the house. We financed it. We put it together. We distributed it. Um, it was shot on film, which was fun back in the day. So we got the special, uh, and there's like makeup. I got to do like a head cast cause there's a dream sequence where I'm a goblin and it's a little 20, 30 minute, uh, uh, and I think it's a, still available on amazon.com or, or my wife's, uh, pumpkin. I think it's pumpkin dash pictures.com. Um, and you can read about it there, but it was neat. It had, uh, um, um, let me see. Well, um, the stars were, who am I thinking of? Uh, Denise Crosby from uh, Star Trek was in it. Uh, a guy named Philip Abbott, who as uh, an older actor, was in a lot of movies a long time ago. He was in the TV series, the FBI for years and years, a great actor. And uh, Sean Pyfram was his first uh, first starring role. He went on to be one of the the son of who was it in Desperate Housewives mm-hmm. and. Developed a good career on his own, and his very first project was our little film, Pumpkin Man. That's the only children's movie that we've done, but we've done about 14, 15 documentaries on all sorts of different charities and things like that. So I'm not sure what they meant by children's movies.
1: Oh. (laughs) Well, you know, that's interesting because you were the first one that came out to Hollywood to get into show business type realm. Um, what got your wife interested in, in writing and producing these scripts?
0: She became a script supervisor after someone, she's got an amazing memory. She's like a Rolodex. I'd say, what's the telephone number for Southwest Airlines? Oh, it's 818-357, you know, whatever. that, <laughs> And she can remember details. And someone said, you ought to be a script supervisor. And she said, well, what's that? Well, it turns out it's like probably the second most important person next to the director. he She has to make sure all the shots, uh, her notes go to the editors on what take, what reel, all of this kind of stuff and what the director picks. That's a take, that's a rep, and she writes down all the details in the script. She makes sure the actors say their lines right. She makes sure that, let's say you had a drink in one scene and... Uh, The next scene might be earlier. You might want that drink a little bit higher, like, you know, they hadn't drunk as much, because if it goes, sometimes when you cut these things together, someone's shirt will be blue in one scene, and then you see it again, it's red, and it's supposed to be the same time. She keeps track of all that mentally and in notes so that the show cuts together right. And she started off on the show uh, Beverly Hills 90210, the original one, um, she's done a lot of movies over the years, a lot of television shows for, uh, for Disney and others. Um, and, uh, then went into directing, has directed a feature film called Naturally Native that she, uh, actually premiered on Turner Classic Movies last year. And, uh, and, and still occasionally does, uh, uh television shows when they ask her. And it was just kind of a fun thing and she was good at it.
1: Wow. That is, that's really cool. I'm sure that she feels like, uh part of her dreams are kind of, I don't know, it, it probably wasn't her dream, though, like to be in it. It was just kind of like another serendipitous thing.
0: <laughs> Self-like, you know, you can't plan for all this stuff. You can't plan you're going to grow up and be the voice of Goofy, you know. When I came out to Hollywood, I was just trying to get a job. And then this kind of, I was at the right place at the right time and sounded correct, I guess.
1: That's awesome. So, uh, it also said that you do some photography,
0: Yeah, I've uh, done, uh, when I was, my degree was in broadcast journalism, and through that I took photography classes, did some news photography when I was an intern at some television stations, uh, developed film, so photography's always been kind of a hobby of mine, and I've done people's headshots, I've done my own headshots, which I generally don't do because it's hard to take a picture of yourself very well, (laughs) to get a better, (laughs) another photographer to do that. But it's been kind of a hobby, really. And I just like uh, I've always liked photography, everything from darkroom stuff, you know, mixing the chemicals and enlarger and, and all of that kind of stuff to uh, digital photography and Photoshop. And eh, it's just a hobby, really. But uh, sometimes I'll do someone's headshot.
1: That's really cool. You said that one of your mentors was Dawes Butler. And I've heard stories about his sessions. Like, How did you find out about them?
0: A friend of mine, when I first moved to town, says, oh, you want to be in voiceover? says, you ought to call Dawes Butler. And I say, well, I knew who he was. I said, the Dawes Butler? Yeah, here's his phone number. They gave me his phone number, and I call him up. And here's this little guy. Answer the phone. He kind of sounded like Captain Crunchy. Oh, come on over, Bill. Yeah, I'll be glad to meet you. And uh, I went over to his house. And. He was great because he was the first one to really stress the importance of being a an actor as opposed to someone who just did funny voices. And he didn't care if you had money or not. Ah, oh, come join the fun if you don't have any money, which we didn't have any money in those days. Like it was like ten dollars is what he'd charge for a, an evening session, and you'd read scripts and you'd dissect the characters and find out the you know, how to portray them and why did you pick that voice and what would you do next time and stuff like that. And if you didn't have the money, he said, don't worry about it. Just you know, pay when you can. And he was so kind and nice and so giving. And what a great talent. One of the great ones of all times.
1: That's cool. And you've also I've heard that you did uh, you've been able to, like, make phone calls and stuff to like kids for, like the Make-A-Wish Foundation. How is that, you know, coming from your point of view?
0: It's, it's really, um, an honor to be able to do that. And, you know, you get a sense of the power of these animated characters when you talk to a, a kid in the hospital that, you know, they're very sick and they want to talk to Mickey or they want to talk to Goofy and you, you know, call them up and the magic's there because you're talking one on one to a kid and they really want to, uh, to know how you're doing and they like, they saw the last cartoon and some of them are extremely sick and it's just rewarding. And we've gotten letters from parents. Uh, I remember one instance where Wayne Allwine, the voice of Mickey called up a little girl and I think she had uh, leukemia and you know, the, the mother had said that the child was like rejecting taking the medicine. It hurt. The chemotherapy wasn't pleasant and she had a bad attitude about it. And so Wayne gets on there and he's saying as Mickey says, gosh, you know, uh, well, Pluto, he takes his medicine when uh, he's sick and he's a lot better. And, uh, we got a letter later on, Wayne got a letter later on that said that the kid went into remission because she became, well, if Mickey and Pluto will take their medicine, I will too. And her whole attitude changed and yeah. she went from that. And that's like, wow, you know, that's heavy. That's like, wow. That's wild. very heartwarming. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a magic to these characters and, and they're, they're very special. Kind of gets you a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Now you've been doing Toon House Inc. is your production company where you yeah. help, you help people with their, with their demo reels and everything like that. How long have you been doing that?
0: Um, I've been doing demos since the old reel-to-reel and razor blades days.
1: Nice.
0: <laughs> Someone had asked me once, who did your demo? And I said I did because I spent years in radio. Um, and I did a lot of hundreds of commercials back then. I'd produce them, edit them, whatever, for the radio stations I worked at. So I had all the technical stuff down um and so I started doing them I did a hundred or so demos you know in the old days and then I got too busy and it's a lot of work cuz you spend tens of hours doing a demo to find the right music to find the right sound effects to do the recording with the actor to um to uh, you know distill it down into the best stuff And then my son, who is the drummer, went uh, through um, L.A. Recording School and got Pro Tools certified as a backup career as an audio engineer. And so he's helping me out doing all of the hard work while I direct and I direct the actors. And then he takes the tracks and he'll find music for them and and run them past me. And we say yes on that or not. But uh, he spends like 30-some hours on every demo we do. And I just don't have that much time anymore, but uh, together we can do this. And so we've been offering this for about a year, and uh, we're having a real good time, and uh, a lot of success at getting some new actors, agents, and and making demos that uh, they can be proud of. And now I'm starting to do more just one-on-one Skype teaching, and and here at my house I teach people the ins and outs, and that seems to be uh, uh, well-received. And, uh, yeah, I'm getting more Twitter followers all the time. And if anyone wants to join it, it's at Goofy Bill, you know, on Twitter. And I have a website, ToonHouseInc.com, T O O N, like a cartoon. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very rewarding that people, uh, people want to take lessons and, and get into the business. The new group of talent is coming our way.
1: I bet. Who do you market to? Is it like novices,
0: pros? All of the above, yeah. I've been doing quite a bit of new people uh, getting their first demo, and I tell them the ins and outs and the ups and downs of the business or so, someone that just wants to refresh their demo, uh, working professionals that are already with agencies. I do uh, I do both of those.
2: Very cool. Well, congrats on all your success, well, you yeah. know, with your company and then with your career and you know, it's still blossoming and going. What's in your future?
0: Who knows? That's what's great about this business. I do the auditions, and then I'll get a call and say, Bill, they need you next Thursday over at Disney. And it's kind of serendipitous and just a blast. And that's part of the fun and excitement is you never know what's around the corner. Uh, it could be a new series. It could be a new commercial. It could be uh, another goofy, you know, uh, Thing. I'm going on the Disney cruise ship in January. I'm teaching. I'm doing some, um, you know, uh, personal appearances. I do uh, comic cons and and personal appearances. I'm going over to Melbourne, Australia, next July. Um, and who knows? I guess it just you know, we'll have to wait and see.
1: That's just amazing. Well. Thank you so much for, for coming on to the show today. We're so glad to be able to take this time, that you're able to take this time and talk with us. It's been just a thrill for us. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. And thank you again for, you know, taking time out of your day and just doing this interview
2: with us. And, you know, we were thrilled to to listen to you and learn from you, and I'm sure our listeners will as well.
0: My pleasure. Thanks so much.